broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. We're live from the Scouting Combine here in Indianapolis. It's got really started today. It's going to go through the rest of the week. We're excited to be here. Beside Vinny Bonsignor, I'm Q Myers. Of course, DeMond Cotton's back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Want to give a big thanks to Boyd Gaming, the official locals casino of the Las Vegas Raiders that has fueled our trip here and uh, really been able to give us the opportunity to provide you with the coverage that we provide you. And I'm very excited about being here. This is my first time here. Vinny's a veteran here, but this is my first time, and I think everything is going really well. The question that I threw out there at the top of the show, how much patience are you willing to have with the Raiders in their quarterback search and them attempting to build this team? Because to me, it sounds like patience is going to be needed. With that being said, Jim from Yonkers said, Q, I've had patience for 20 years. And, Vinny, you just made a great point. Draft picks don't pan out all the time. Mac, Cooper, Hudson, Jackson. You don't trade proven talent for potential. Ziegler actually got picks for some players who proved not to be good at all. Good moves. If we trade off talent, then I have no patience. We need to add and grow, not subtract. Bring in a vet to compete with Stidham. His sample size is too small to be handed the job. Let them battle it out and draft who they like. Also, the old regimes had too many one-year deals, which result in too much turnover. Thank you again. That's Jim from Yonkers. Vinny, you say what? Yeah, uh, exactly that. You can't keep uh, going into every offseason needing to replace 33 players. Because right. you have a bunch of expiring contracts. And they got a lot of that deals. this year, too. They do. Yeah, what, 26 free agents? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and, and again, um, you know, not to, not to just keep uh, belating, uh, reiterating the point, but it, it bears repeating. That's because they haven't drafted well right. for the longest period of time. That's how you build your roster out. Free agency is only meant, really, um, to, to supplement here and there, around a core that you've already built. Yep. Oh, let's go grab that guy uh, because he could be the cherry on top. Right. You know, you can't keep saying, you can't keep going, Q, into every offseason going, let's go take that guy from the Colts, that guy from the Browns, that guy from the Giants, this yep. guy from the Seahawks, and throw it all together. Can't build a team through free agency. No. It doesn't, I mean, now I know there's certain teams that have found a way to put it all together real quick like the Rams. They went and got every guy but that they, they felt like they needed, but they had lower-level draft picks that worked. They had Aaron Rod or Aaron right. Rodgers, Aaron Donald. They right. had great players that they had drafted. The, the bulk of their team was draft picks. Right. Yeah, and then they go get... A, you know, um, you know uh, whether it's Marcus Peters or uh, um, Sammy Watkins. They brought in Sammy Watkins. They brought in Brandon Cooks on a trade. But but they all were added yeah. to um, what was a great foundation through the draft. And they were bad for a long period of time. That's why they ended up with guys like uh, you know Aaron and, and, and Aaron Donald and whatnot. But but yeah, the only true blue recipe on winning in this league is by drafting and developing and then adding some free agents to the mix here no, and there. No doubt. And the guy that's going to be in charge of drafting is Dave Ziegler. We're going to hear from him in a hot minute. But real quick, we're going to go out to the phone lines and bring in Passionate Raider. Welcome to the show, my man. What's on your mind? What's going on, Q? How you been, man? Now I'm chilling, Vinny, man. What's up? What's happening, man? Long time no see, but hey, Q, life is good, man. Just sold number 13 in a month. 13 campers in a month, Q. You know how the sales game goes, man. It's like... Anything, you're either on or you're off, man. I'm learning a lot, been through a lot, but here we go again, Q, man. I'm just, I have kind of backed off a Twitter the past couple of weeks. I've shut it down. I haven't even been reading it because 
I'm trying to stay positive and focused. And everything that's going on right now, man, is just not good, man. I mean, the stuff Vinny's talking about, you bring it up, you think about it, and it just puts that sour taste in your mouth, man. I'm going to be 43 years old on Thursday. 43! I have gone without watching my Raiders do anything except for four years of my life I've seen playoff games. All I want to see is consistency. Consistency, consistency. I still going to say today, I don't care, like I said three weeks ago, Q, we cannot trade that seventh pick to move up. Nobody's worth it. And, and I don't even want to trade back. Draft defense, draft some defense, and draft some defense! <laughs> and let's go play. Marcus just got on the free agent market. I just don't think that any of these quarterbacks, unless it's the Jake Hedder kid from Fresno State, if we can pop him off in the second round, that's the only quarterback that I really want to jump on this year. Everyone else seems to have too much baggage, too much Raider-ish stuff that we don't need. So please, Josh and Dave, if you're listening to me, 43 years I've been going through this with this team, and for once in my life, can we just turn it around and get some consistency? We all know there's some better prospects coming out next year at the quarterback position. We know it. Let Jared run the offense. Let him run it. Maybe bring in Marcus as a backup. Don't touch Carson, and let's just keep this room the way it is now. Build through this draft. Get us a defensive lineman. Get us a quarterback, get us a right tackle, and let's go play some damn football. Let's go Raiders! Come there on, he, baby. There he is, passionate Raiders, selling a bunch of campers. Man, he's on number thirteen. Awesome. That's a, that's that's a happy uh, birthday too. Yeah, it's an awesome job. Yeah, and happy birthday, happy They're early drafted birthday. Drafted a quarterback. There you go. They draft a quarterback. They're well, drafting a quarterback. I, I believe they will as well, but we will see. One guy who's in charge of that is GM Dave Ziegler. We had an awesome opportunity to spend about 25 or 30 minutes with him before the show. And, well, here's part one of that conversation with the GM. Do you feel pretty comfortable that the quarterback of the future could be here in Indianapolis for the Raiders? Um, I think it's a possibility. Uh, there's, there's a lot more work to be done, to be honest with you, to really, like, say, yeah, I'm confident. Um, where we're at now in the process is we've watched a lot of film on the players, and, and, and that's important to, to, to get an idea of what the value of the player is. It's a really important part of the process. That position in particular, there's such an emphasis um, that we put on the neck up and what that, what that is and what that looks like and what it means and how it translates, and you can't get that part off the film. You can get an idea a little bit of, you know, you can see decision-making and processing, and there's an element of it. You know, it's not that it's zero, but until you get in the room with the guy, get him on the board, um, you know, ev eventually I would say, like, work through installs and see how they can retain information. I mean, there's a, this is like the first step of that, of that puzzle, you know, to, to do that, whether then there's the pro day, then there's 30 visits and you can do private visits and things of that nature. And so I think there's some really talented young players here. Um, and, and, you know, I think there's some, some years where there's maybe one or two, I think there's, you know, it looks like there's, you know, a handful of guys that have shown on film, um, to be talented, to be, um, uh, diverse in their skill set. And so that's exciting, and then we got to go through the next part of the process to really, I'd say, determine that. How does what they're doing in college football kind of challenge the NFL in terms of evaluation, especially with the, what they're doing offensively yeah. compared to what you guys are doing offensively? Yeah, it's, it, it makes it, it there, there's, 
definitely a challenge there. We've seen a lot of people overcome it, you know, at this point. So I'd say like there's probably less, um, maybe less reservations, but there's the element of just, you know, from the basic, you know, taking a snap under center. And there's a difference when you're taking the snap under center and you're backpedaling, if you will, and processing and making a just you know making a decision versus just standing there in the shot in the shotgun and seeing the ball. There's a difference there, but we've seen a lot of people overcome that. And we've also seen you know offenses offenses have adapted to that too. You don't you don't get a lot of guys under center in certain situations that aren't you know comfortable with it. Um, the defenses are different. You know, there's definitely a more complex I'd say defensive schematic game at the NFL level. And so again, that goes just into um, someone's ability to learn, someone's work ethic. Um, and, and do they have the tools? And I'd say both from a personal and a mental skill set to put the work in to learn it. I think what we've seen now is like you can, you know, a, a guy like Lamar Jackson. Now, Lamar Jackson was super talented. He was a Heisman Trophy winner, obviously. But, you know, like he's come in the league and Lamar Jackson play, you know, can play quarterback in the league. And there's a plenty of other guys, you know, um, you know, along those lines. And so, um, you know, I think there's it's difficult because you have to put the work in to determine all that and you're not going to still have like it's solid but i think a lot of guys have shown like they can overcome that now specifically with the the first round obviously you guys didn't have one last year um what what's, sort of goes into the process when you're determining hey we're going to try to move up do we stay here do we trade back i know it's fluid depending on what yeah. happens on draft night but what's sort of the just general thought process when it comes to that approach yeah i think um well in, in both approaches on a very basic level, you have to have, you know, to, to trade up for, you know, specifically, you have to have, obviously, like, there's someone that you want to go do that for. And then, you know, you have to weigh the cost of doing business to do that, you know. And so I think um, what you really have to weigh in those situations is the how you value the player and the cost that it's going to take to get that player. Because once you move up, you're obviously typically you're subtracting other draft picks, you know, which are other players. And so you got to kind of, that's the thing that you have to weigh between those two things. In terms of moving back, and we moved back um, a couple times, I believe last year, we moved up a couple times also, but in terms of moving back, it's, it's um, usually when you're in a draft spot, you have, can be anywhere from maybe two to four players that you feel really comfortable taking at that spot. And so I think the moving back portion is, you get to that point, someone's calling up and you're looking like, hey, we're going to get one of these four players or one of these three players if we move back three slots per se. Do you know what I mean? And so you're there, you're kind of just um, you're evaluating the risk reward of and the gamble of those players, that pool of players being there if you move back. And there's a lot of, I'd say, intelligence that goes into figuring those, trying to answer those questions based on what um what you feel the needs of other teams are, things that you've learned about maybe, you know, what the direction other teams are going to go. And so you try to have some insight beyond just, you know, your gut in those situations. But I think that's the kind of the, the uh, dichotomy there of those two decisions uh, that you have to weigh. How do you balance uh, you know, the patience and diligence needed to find the future quarterback with the desire to win now? Yeah. Um, I think that you have to, when, when you're looking at, you know, the desire to win now in a future quarterback, it's, it's interesting because we've seen it go both ways in terms of um, you draft a young guy and they sit, right? Like Mahomes sat for a year, you know, and you can go back, you know, you can go back to, it was probably a little bit more prevalent. You know, I think, um, I think even Carson Palmer might've sat for two years. And so, um, and so there's, 
there's that um, there's a uh, a history there of doing that and players having success. And there's then there's also the history of guys getting thrown in the fire right away and it not working out so well. Now there's some guys that have gotten thrown in the fire and you know taken their lumps and, and grown. Andrew Luck, I don't I think he led the league in interceptions his rookie year and and also went through. And so yeah, in terms of to your question, balancing that decision right off winning now. Um, I think it's just a you know a, phys- a philosophical thing that you have to make a decision on, and you have to be aligned from the top of the organization down. If you draft a young guy, and you're going to commit to that person sitting all year and learning, um, everybody, I think you just have to have that communication on the front end because there might be some things to stomach. Do you know what I mean? Or you know, again, that pressure to get that guy out there and throw him in the fire. So. It's, it, it does take, I would say, a unique amount of discipline to do that, but I think more importantly, it has to be alignment, like from the get-go on a situation like that. Do you guys have that already? you guys have discussed that possibility or not yet? Yeah, no, I think, you know, Josh and I have discussed like kind of what, you know, our, you know, phil- philosophically, what, you know, we would like our approach to be on that. There's still more work to be done for me to say, yeah, this is what we're gonna do right. 100%. I'd say we're not there. Of course, we've had those discussions. We've had those discussions over <clears> the years. Um, but there's there's um, there there is a moment in time here as we're approaching this next phase of the off season where you have to just make the commitment to what you're going to do if you end up doing that. Right. Yeah. When you say um, you know throwing somebody in the fire, sometimes when you get a high draft pick at quarterback, you're kind of because the team was bad. That's why they're drafting so high, mm-hmm. and maybe the offensive support's not going to be there. But in your case, when you look at you know, if Josh Jacobs comes back, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, Devontae Adams, that's a pretty good setup for any quarterback. Do you feel like that's conducive to a young quarterback maybe stepping in and having some success as a result where you're not just throwing him into the fire and there's a lot of support there for him? Yeah, I would say if you were just looking at the support part of that, you would say, yeah, there's a lot of support there for someone to succeed. I think it really ends up being an individual case-by-case thing because it, it really depends on the, the, the person and what they're ready for. Because if they're not ready to take advantage of all those weapons because they're not ready for the responsibilities of being an NFL quarterback, then you know, then the weapons are null and void. And so in theory, yes, there's a lot of weapons there. But I think, it, again, it comes back to the individual and what they're ready for. Devante's been pretty you know, support, very supportive of you and Josh, but said he wants to be kept in the loop. It's important to him. Obviously, you're not going to let him pick the next quarterback, but how much conversation do you have? Hey, this is a guy we believe when that time comes, what that your plan is. How much do you include him in it? Yeah, uh, well, every every relationship's kind of unique. I would say for, for, for myself, and I won't speak for Josh, but for myself, Devontae's probably one of, uh, me and him I probably have one of the closest relationships that I've had with a player as an active player mm-hmm. um, that's still playing in the NFL. And so, you know, um, our communication's pretty fluid. Um, you know, whether it's on the quarterback or whether it's just in general conversation. And so uh, Devante, we've talked about it before, um, you know, he's earned the right to be kept in that loop. Josh and I feel that way um, by what he's accomplished and who he is as a as a player and who he is as a leader um, on that team. And so um, he'll be involved in, in those conversations, like you said, and Devante knows he's not, you know, he's not selecting who the quarterback is. Uh, but he'll be involved in the process, and, and you know we'll bounce some ideas off him. And ultimately, again, it's going to be the decision that we that that we're going to make. And he understands and respects that at the same time. You mentioned the price of doing business last year when you made the move for Devontae. You just gave up a first and a second last year, and it was done. What's the philosophy going into thinking about draft picks that come from other years? You know, if you have to include that in a move, 
is it worth the player? Is it just player to player basis? Yeah, I mean, I think it's player to player basis. Um, I, I mean, you know, there, it's there's always when you're when you're working through the draft. Um, I always find it it's um, the the future pick doesn't always seem sexy at the time mm-hmm. until you get to the next year, <laughs> and then you're glad that you have that future pick. Um, that's kind of the, that's you know that's the feeling oftentimes that you go through when you're when you're in that moment. Um, I think at the end of the day, it's it, it is based on the player, and again, it's like what you determine the value of the player as. Mm-hmm. And so, like just like with the Devonte trade, you know, we determined that the value we were okay with a you know his value of being a first and second round pick, and so we made the decision and went with it, and we never looked back, and we're happy with the decision that we made. And so, I think that's that's what you have to evaluate. How, what is that? What's the value of that player to your organization, and then how does that equate to the the value of the picks? And I think you have to look at your individual situation too, um, you know, in terms of where you're at as a team and what you're trying to build and the holes that you're trying to fill. Um, but at the same time, if if you feel like the value's there, you're going to do what you need to do to go, you know, to go get it. With free agency looming and so many teams needing a starting quarterback, the timeline for you guys to make the decision on the route that you're going to go to get your quarterback gets gets sped up. So are you? prepared, I guess, evaluation-wise that you'll have to make that determination here by, by mid-March? Yeah, from an evaluation standpoint, when you're talking specifically about pro-free agency, yeah, we are. Um, there's a lot of pro-free agencies a little bit different than the draft. The draft player's there. You have the draft pick. You select them. You know, there's, you're not um, negotiating a, you know, a contract or you know, going through those, those mechanics to get a deal done. And so, but from a straight evaluation standpoint, yeah, we've put in a lot of work through that process. We've evaluated the quarterbacks that are in pro free agency. We understand what that market is. Um, we have a hierarchy of, of what that looks like, you know, in our building. And yeah, we're prepared to, you know, we're prepared to execute that plan with the caveat being there's a contract element and cost element involved in that. And so uh, we don't know what those prices are. Do you know what I mean? That's not, um, you don't really know that until the free agency period begins. And so you have to have a level of fluidity to it um, because you don't know necessarily what that price tag is going to be for an individual player or that player can sign with another team. And so I'd say if you go in there with just plan A, um, you know, you could be scrambling if you don't have a multi-step plan in in, in that situation. So there you go. That was just part one of the conversation that we have, Vinny, with uh, GM Dave Ziegler. And just that 13, 14-minute chunk. Some good stuff. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, I, I, you know, I keep going back to this. I think this is a man with a plan. It's what it sounds like, and yeah. it's what it feels like. And I know Raider Nation doesn't want to hear it. And everyone's going to hit me with the thirty-eight years, twenty-five years. I've been patient. I've been. It sounds it's, good. It's, I get all that. Nothing you could do. But about it, it. I, it, one, there's there's nothing you could do about it. There's nothing I could do about it. There's nothing you could do about it. It just kind of is what it is. Right. As much as it sucks to say that. Yeah. But two, I, maybe I'm falling for the banana of the tailpipe. And if I do, great. I'll be the first one yeah. to come out and say it. But it sounds to me like he's very focused and very planned out with what he is planning on doing moving forward. Right. And, and you know, I keep saying this, that they were hired to do something here. And it wasn't just to build off last year's playoff team. Right. It was to build something that is sustainable. Right. That is going to be around, that has longevity. Uh, the Raiders want to win Super Bowls. They don't want to just sneak into the playoffs right. by winning four straight down the stretch. And I'm not taking anything away from that accomplishment because it was a... Because it was a hell of a thing. Yeah, it was it's great. A nice run. It was great, but it wasn't something that... Um, because, because of the defensive deficiencies especially... Mm-hmm. It wasn't something that you could say, oh, this is now they've turned the corner. Right. They're, they're ready to be there year after year after year after year. They're not there yet. 
and he understands that. And I think it was very early in this process of them getting this team out on the field and seeing it and understanding, okay, there's a lot of work that still needs to be done, uh, that has to be done defensively. And, and again, we keep going back to this, uh, but this is why we're in Indianapolis right, right. now. This is why they're in Indianapolis. Right. It starts in the draft. It does. You? It, it does. starts in the draft. Yep. And um, you can't sugarcoat the fact that even though they did make the playoffs in 2021, they were still blowing draft after draft after draft. 2020 draft class vanished yep. before our very eyes. Name me one good team that's was in the playoffs, the Super Bowl, uh, these last few years that you could say that for. I mean, think about this. There's a reason why people are talking about the Jets, and if they get Derek Carr, they'll be a, a real good team and a potentially a playoff team because they hit in the draft. Yeah. And their defense is exceptional. They have some really good players all around, and they are that quarterback away because they missed on that in the draft when they went and got Zach Wilson. Let me go to DeMond real yeah. quick in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio because, DeMond, I haven't been able to bring you in as much as uh, I'd like to on the show. You heard just a half of the chunk. You didn't hear it. You never heard it until right then. Of course, me and Vinny were there for it. What did you think about what Dave Ziegler had to say just in what you just heard? I know that we say this. John McClain made the joke earlier. Also, Nick Shook. That, hey, they're going to be – they're skilled at saying nothing. But yep. when Dave Ziegler says nothing, boy, does it sound good. That's, right. that's my, <laughs> that's my right. first takeaway. Vinny, I think it was the second question you asked about, you know, how do you look at the college game opposed to, like, the players that you actually mm-hmm. want to draft? And I still thought that he, great, he gave a great answer there. So, for me, it's kind of like trying to read in between the lines and take away – not what I want to take away for it, but trying to interpret what I think he means. Because yeah. obviously he's not giving us the plan. So just my, my interpretation of it is that, you know, they're going to take a quarterback looking at some of the offense, like the quarterbacks and their off- offensive skill sets of what they could bring for the Raiders. Yes, there's a plan in place. But like I said, to answer the show question, that this year, not saying that it's going to be a mulligan year, as Vic Tafer said yesterday, right. but this is going to be a growing pains year. And nobody wants to hear that because it's been the, hey, my 30 years of pain, right. my 20 years of... You know, since O2, we haven't been good. I know that I don't really care about that. But it, it goes to show that I do think that they have the plan in place. But maybe it's not going to be this year, but next year that we're going to see dividends because it's, of all things playing out, it's going to work out for this team. You know what drives Dave Ziegler? To make sure, to do everything in his power, mm-hmm. that Raider Nation doesn't have to go through another 20 years. Or like 30 just, years. Or 30 yeah, years. yeah, exactly. You know, whatever, yeah. your, yep. whatever your timeline is uh, of pain right. and disappointment and frustration, um, he's trying to make sure that that doesn't happen again moving forward. And um, th- he needs the opportunity right. th- of time because that's, all it's gonna, that's not all it's going to take, but that's the, one of the key ingredients of this. To, uh, it is the time to execute the plan. A pl- you don't. There's no magic wand that's coming around like we were talking about earlier. Right. There's no magic wand. It's going to take hard work. It's going to take diligence. I forget who the caller was talking about. You know, uh, uh, the Raiders. You know, ha- being successful in the '70s and '80s. Uh, you know what? What they did. They made great decisions on mm-hmm. personnel. Um, there wasn't. nothing magical about it it's making the right decision it's bringing in the right kinds of players uh it's it's building a talented roster and that comes with good to great decision making and that's where it has to all start i don't know if josh 
uh, and, and Dave are going to make great decisions, but they, I think they deserve the chance to show us one way or another. I, I do as well. Alan of Vegas hit us up on Twitter and said, after listening to the Ziegler Part 1 clip, I trust him. And he put up a in, in parentheses only thirty three years, right? <laughs> but I mean, we don't say that frivolously. No, we don't, and I don't joke at it as a lifelong Raider fan. Exactly. I get it. I believe me. I of all people know, right? right? I mean, and, and you know, I was the guy, and I'm not the guy anymore. But I used to be the guy that would pound the table. I'd scream and yell. I'd get upset. My family would hate being around me because right. I was an angry fan. At some point, I realized that you know what? It's a football game. It's only a game. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna continue to lose sleep over it. And I want. I don't want to be that miserable guy around my family. Right. Right. So, you know, I stopped being that dude. But, you know, one, everyone talks about 30 years, 20 years, been patient for this long. There, But these guys have only been around for a year. <laughs> they have That's nothing the, to do with They it. haven't been around for 30 years. Right. That's been a whole bunch of other people. And we had a text that brought up a really good point. Uh, people say that they're t- they, they don't want to be patient anymore. And, you know, they're tired of, of what, what's being told to them. But then they want to fire everybody, and so that resets the clock again. Right. Like every time you do it, it's a reset again. That was, and I, I didn't read it word for word, but I exactly. saw it. And I meant to bring it up. So it's like they're talking out of both sides of their mouth. No, I don't want to be patient, but yet I want to fire everybody else and start over again. And that's my point is that, okay, um, hi, you know, firing these guys and bringing in another regime will not change Mm-mm. what the problem is. Right. The problem is a lack of talent right now, uh, especially defensively, and just bad decision-making that's, that's kind of plagued this franchise for far too long. That's not going to change overnight. You have to get the right decision-makers in place to set this foundation where it needs to be. And Mark Davis is showing his faith um, in, in, in Dave Ziegler and, and Josh McDaniels, and he didn't hire them to fire them, and it was never going to be based on what happened in the 2022 season. That's not what this was about. It wasn't to build off of 2021. Hopefully they, they, they could have. They didn't, obviously. And Somebody had brought up the Devontae Adams. Yeah. Okay, um, you know, Dave Ziegler doesn't deserve you know, any right. credit for that. Right. All right, um, let's, let's, let's stay right there. In fact, I don't think Devontae Adams was on either of their minds when they took this job. Right. That did kind of fall into their lap. And what are you going to do? Say no to that? And, and you know, when you look at what they, what they truly have in Devontae, just a spectacular player, obviously, and a great leader uh, in that locker room and somebody that you want everybody to be like. So, but they did fall into it. They mm-hmm. didn't come in here. That's, that's which, which kind of laughs in the face of they were going all in for this year. They right. never really had the plan of bringing Devontae Adams in. It just, a, a, a situation um, presented itself, and they, they seized that moment. They took, they took full advantage of it. The one thing that uh, I really took away from that, that I think Raider Nation should have taken away from that, and it was easy to kind of let it slide on by, and they will take a break and get to da- uh, part two of the Dave Ziegler conversation. He mentioned his relationship with Devontae Adams. Oh, man. And how that's the tightest relationship he's had with a player ever. Right. That tells you a lot. And so what that tells me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that tells me Devontae Adams is on board with him. Absolutely. Right? Without question. Because you don't have that tight relationship if you don't believe in the guy. No, and I I also think guys like Max Crosby are Mm -hmm. are all in as well. And that's why – You know, sometimes I kind of have to roll my eyes when I hear some of Raider Nation and fans just thinking the complete opposite of what is really actually going on and the buy-in that is here Mm -hmm. with the the core players for what's going on with Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels. I I can't tell you how wrong that perception might be outside of the building for, for how the players feel about this leadership group. There's some things that I could say. I'm not going to say it. 
but but uh, would would probably surprise some people if they actually heard what was truly being said. Right about these guys. You know, and it goes back to the conversation we had with Devontae Adams uh, after the last game of the season. We were in the locker room and asked him straight up, you know, do you believe in the direction? You asked him, do you want to be here? And he said, yeah. And I said, do you believe in the direction? They're going to get things turned around. He said, yes. If I didn't, I wouldn't say that I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here. He's not going to be that kind of a guy. Right. He's not going to be somebody that says one thing and is, is completely uh, different from that. And, right. and I know that. I know that because right. just com- other conversations that are away from the cameras and all that kind of stuff. So. Yep. Uh, he is all in. He's he actually is very, um, you know, uh, uh, appreciative mm-hmm. and kind of like wow, taken aback by uh, how detailed Josh McDaniels is. The, the the film sessions that Josh McDaniels has, like the whole uh, the accountability that he right. has. I know it didn't work, and and people might be laughing and saying they went six to eleven. I get that. I understand that. Sometimes results don't tell. Sometimes tell the wins the and story. losses yeah. don't tell the whole story. They right. need more. Of guys like Devontae Adams and, and Max, Max Crosby yeah. that are and willing Josh to put Jacobs. in the work. Yes, yep. exactly. Yep, they need more of those guys, no doubt about it. So uh, there you go. That was part one of the conversation that we were able to have, we are blessed to have, with GM Dave Ziegler. How about part two? We got that coming up next. Again, we're here at the uh, at the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. Thanks to Boyd Gaming, the official locals casino of the Las Vegas Raiders. When we come back, you will hear part two of that conversation. Really good stuff here on Raider Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. And here we are back, Radio Row, the convention center here in Indianapolis for uh, the scouting combine. This is really day one. It's going to go on all week long. And we just wrapped up the first you know, 15 minutes of the conversation that we had earlier with Dave Ziegler, the GM of the Raiders. And we want to jump into really quickly part two because, well, it's a lot of good stuff. And want to make sure you're able to. In, in enjoy all of it and really be able to understand what he had to say. So without further ado, here's part two of that conversation with the GM, Dave Ziegler. At the, at the Senior Bowl, you mentioned that obviously you guys need to improve at all three levels of the defense. Yeah. And because of your situation, you guys don't really have all that many players under contract on defense. So it's almost a blank slate, not completely. Is your preference to build, you know, sort of the traditional front to back um, in terms of prioritizing the defensive line first or are you more of a secondary boost that up and, and yeah, um, it's a good question. I think that um, I've always been in, in, in a belief when you're talking about the defensive side of the football of, of I'd say, building it inside out. I think having a, a strong defensive line sets the tone for the rest of the defense. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, you can find a good player that you're going to have to draft a good player. You know, we've talked about drafting the best available the best available players. But I think having a, a deep um, defensive line that can disrupt, you know, that you can – um, running waves and things of that nature and you know we, we have a lot of work to do to get to that point um, but if I was going to kind of lean one way I would say that would be um, you know where I would start from a building standpoint. Andre James and I know he's under contract but would you like to rework that deal uh, in order to him to stay or are you happy where he is money? Yeah, I, I think that um, with Andre in particular, we spent the last year with him and, and got to know him and got to see him play. And there's a lot of good things about Andre as a person and as a leader that we really like. And uh, I think he improved as a football player this year. Um, I would say we're not to that point yet. We, just with where we're at from a roster standpoint, we mentioned how many UFAs that we have this year, um, how many expiring contracts that we need to work on. And so 
I'm glad he's under contract. You know, he can take a kind of take a breath because he's there. Um, but we have a just kind of a major order of business with with this current group to handle before kind kind of get to that step. But but really excited about what he did this year at the same time. Josh had mentioned that uh, you and Josh Jacobs' representation have been uh, in dialogue. Um, any characterization on, on where that might be, and any feeling of it could get done before the deadline for the free agent or the uh, franchise tag? Yeah, it's, it's still very fluid. You know, those those conversations have um, we've had a few of them, uh, kind of a, you know, um, getting everybody's ideas on the table. Um, we'll continue to work through that process this week. You never know. I mean, I you know I've been involved in deals that I thought were going to take two months, and they got done in two days. And I've you know I've had you know the experience of doing deals that I thought we're going to get done quickly that don't. And so um, you know, there's obviously there's a deadline coming up, and from um, in terms of applying the tag. Um, March 7th, I believe, is the date. And so we understand what that deadline is. Um, and we're going to continue to work that process this week. So I, I, I can't put like a, a specific thing, you know, a specific time on it or, or I'd say like a gut feeling on what it's going to be or not going to be just irresponsible. I've been, you know, done this too many times to know that would kind of paint yourself in a corner that way. But I'd say where the commonality is that we want Josh to be a Raider and that Josh wants to be a Raider. And so that's a really good place to start. And, you know, hopefully we'll work to, to get some common ground here um, sooner than later. Is it a question of either or, either, either tag or, con- or contract, or is that too simple to say it that way? Well, both things are on the table. Right. Yeah, I don't think that we've made up our mind and just said, like, on either way, right. on either side. But, like, hey, it's, hey, we're not, if it's, if it's a tag, then forget it. You know what I mean? Or making the decision that we're not going to do the tag. You know, I think that... Um, both of those, both of those opportunities are on the table. They should be on the table, and um, you know, again, we'll 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 see how it plays out. But I'd say, you know, it could go either way on, in terms of how it gets executed. Because of the way most of your contracts are structured, next year's books are pretty clean. I think right now, I mean, it's an estimate because we don't know the cash. Sure. it's like over a hundred million dollars. Is that something that was intentional to sort of keep that, you know, kind of open in terms of planning for future moves, or is it just kind of happened that way? Um. Well, some of that happened before we, you know, the results of things that happened before we got, you know, before we got here. So I'm not going to take full responsibility for that. But I would say that um, I would say the intentionality is of, you know, and and this isn't going to happen every time is is doing deals that um, not having a plethora of deals that end up putting you tight against the cap, like having cap flexibility, having a healthy cap growth. Uh, or having a healthy cap situation. I just, I like, I think we like the flexibility that that gives us um, to be able to not only, um, it's not always about re-signing or signing a player that's out there, but re-signing your own players in particular, which we've talked about wanting to, you know, really kind of um, grow that continuity within our organization. And so I think philosophically, we, we would always like to kind of operate with some healthy cap and not kind of, you know, be, be tight against it. I've worked in those situations and that's hard because you end up um, making decisions on your roster sometimes during the season week to week that are predicated by the cap. You know, even to the point of like, hey, we're not going to elevate this player this week because of the cap situation, or you're, you know, you're constantly re- restructuring guys during the year. So there's a bit of, I'd say, um, intentionality on our part um, that we want to have that flexibility um, as we go through kind of each individual year. Do you is it your intention to be aggressive in free agency? I mean, do you have a long list of guys you're like, yeah, I think we can add these people, or is it is it still too early to make that decision? Um, I, well, I think that you can you can develop your philosophy before free agency starts. Now, 
sometimes that plan doesn't work out just based on how the market materializes and things of that nature. We'll always, we're always going to have a group of players, I would say, um, in free agency that you just know based on what the market is and what conversations are. If you want to get that player, you're going to have to do that in the first couple days of free agency. And then there's going to be another pool of players that um, you're going to make the decision on, like this position group or this player, whatever it may be, um, we're going to wait. You know, we're going to sit and wait and see how the market materializes. And I think that is predicated on maybe the depth of that position. That may be predicated on what the draft, um, is, the, the, the surplus and demand in the draft at that certain position is. So I think there's a, there's a few different variables that go into making that decision. But um, yeah, there's, there's situations where there's probably, I think, unless you're planning on sitting free agency out, um, and you just go in with that mindset, there's always going to be a player or two that you know that if you're going to do a deal, you're going to have to do that in the front side of free agency. And, and there'll be some players like that this year also. Is Jared Stidham still, I mean, is that a, in the picture kind of a guy and bringing back? Yeah, it's, a, it's you know, it's, it's, um, it's in the picture. Um, like anything, those, you know, those conversations are fluid and, um, he's not under contract at this point. And so, um, you know, we're happy with what he did. And, and he's a player, obviously, that um, because of his experience in the system, there's value, you know, there's value in that. And so we'll look at that market. And there's a lot of players in that market, you know, this year that we're going to have to, that we've evaluated um, that are going to be a part of that equation, too. And so, we'll, you know, we'll see how it ends up working out. But um, ultimately, we would like, you know, we'd like Jarrett to be a Raider going forward. Um, just have to see how it fits together. The two games that he played. Did that open up your eyes any or kind of validate what you felt um, he was capable of doing? Yeah, well, I think anytime we had never seen him play a live football game. And so anytime you get to see someone where the bullets are really flying, playing against top tier competition on the other side of the ball, um, there's value in seeing that. And so there was value in seeing that with Jarrett. And, um, you know, we've always thought Jarrett was, you know, a, a good a good football player and that he had the, the potential to, to um, play well. Seeing it, yes, it provides more validation. There's less um, question marks. Now it's a two-game sample. Um, we also were 0-2 in those two games. And so um, while, yes, there's some validation to it, I'd still say there's, you know, there's still a lot of questions to, to answer um, on that position because the sample size is so small. Do you ever feel like there's pressure or maybe even an anxiousness to make sure that you're hitting the draft right so you're not having to rely on free agency to try to build the team? Yeah, it's a healthy um, pressure and it's a healthy kind of anxiousness. I mean, it's part of like the juice of like the fun of being in personnel. Um, but to your specific question, yeah, we want to grow our, we want to improve our homegrown talent. Um, that's something that hasn't, you know, materialized here over the years. And, um, you know, it's, again, it shows you that it's, it's a difficult process. There's no guarantees to it. But I think, um, yeah, we feel like, you know, we have an opportunity this year with the amount of picks that we do have. Um, with where we're picking, um, that we have an opportunity this year to build that core group of players. That doesn't all always mean that you have 12 superstars and 12 starters. Um, some of those guys are working class individuals that you know provide depth to your team too. Um, but yes, you know there's there's um, a healthy excitement, a healthy anxiousness and anxiety to um, we have that opportunity in front of us and go go capitalize on it. Do you feel like there's a number of starters that you need to pull out of the draft, or is it kind of fluid each year? 
I think it's fluid. You know, I think it's fluid on where your team is. And I think it's hard to say, like, to put that expectation on, on mm-hmm. a player to say, we're, hey, we're drafting, you know, these guys and we need these four guys to start. Um, do you want to hit starters in the draft? Yes. Um, I don't really put, um, you know, I want them all to be starters, you know, but I, I don't really go in there and put a specific number on it. Um, you know, we, we, we plan to come out of the draft with some guys that are starters for the Raiders for a long time, I would say that. This time, for a couple more guys. Yeah, this time last year, probably in a little bit of scramble mode, um, just kind of coming aboard. Uh, can you quantify where you are this year compared to last year, uh, you know, being ahead of the game for the draft and for offseason? Yeah, we're a lot farther along. Um, we just, you know, we had that that time, if you remember, like I was on the job a little bit over a year. They had already had done their free agency process. Um, they had went through, they graded all the free agents. They had graded them on the scale that they were using. And they graded them in the system that they were scouting for. And so uh, we are in the opposite end of that spectrum this year. And so that provides a lot more clarity for us, a lot more clarity for the scouts um, as they went through the fall of knowing what we were looking for. There was a lot less learning, even though there's still a lot of learning going on. Scouts last year were learning the grading scale and how to interpret it, and they're trying to evaluate the player, and they're trying to evaluate the player for this new system in a very condensed amount of time. And so a lot farther along in, in, in those regards. Um, and then in the draft, I would say the same thing. Uh, you know, it's the same dichotomy. They, they were evaluating under a different scale for a different system. And so we're a lot farther along. Does that guarantee... Um, better results. You would hope it does, um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the case. But we're confident that the continuity that we've had, the amount of learning that's taken place over the last year, uh, the group of talented scouts that we have in the system, that it's going that it's going to pay a, a positive result for us. Dave, I was talking to Josh about this. Fans don't want to hear it. They think it's an excuse. But prior to your arrival, their drafting has been an epic failure, especially in the first round. As a GM, how frustrating is that when you've got a roster where there hasn't been guys that you've done the homegrown and you didn't have the depth? How hard was that to, to deal with? Yeah, well, I think you know what the situation is. You know, you evaluate the situation before you take a, you know, one of these jobs. And so you know, you know what the, kind of what the landscape is and what's missing and, and um, what needs to be built. And the reality is, is that going back to the homegrown, you know, piece of, of the homegrown talent, the situation is what it is. And so now we have to figure out the solutions for it. And, you know, the solution is drafting well. And so I would say frustration or any of those types of things. Like, again, we knew what we were, we knew what we were getting into. To, we knew what the task at hand was, and you know we've developed you know developed a plan to hopefully um, you know can you know make decisions that are that is going to improve the homegrown talent and and, and boost that young core of players that we need, and, and that's what we're prepared to do. Is there a position that you think is really deep in this draft? Are you looking forward to talking to these guys? Yeah, and, and I probably you know I have, I have some more digging to do. I would say um, just a couple of the positions on the surface that look like there's some depth to it on the defensive side of the ball. The cornerback position looks like there's some healthy depth there um, throughout the position. Um, the tight end position is unique this year. Um, I think this is probably one of the deeper tight end classes that I've seen maybe since I've been in the league. Again, on the surface, um, but there's a, a quite a few players there. So I'd say those are the two positions that, you know, on the surface looks like there's, you know, there's a, a good amount of depth at. You guys all set? Yeah. Is there any scenario where you got, regardless of round, where you lead this draft and not draft a quarterback? Gosh, well, I never like to talk in absolutes. Um, I think um, there always, could, could that happen? Yes. 
Um, it could happen. Um, do I see that happening? No, I don't see that happening. Um, I think every year, um, you know, we've talked about it philosophically, and I think, you know, um, Ron Wolf was, you know, had a philosophy in Green Bay that almost every draft they wanted to come out in some form or fashion with a quarterback prospect. And, and I'm not going to tie myself to that because I don't think it, you know, again, you do an absolute and then it doesn't go your, you know, that doesn't happen and then uh, that doesn't work out well for you. But I would say some form or fashion, we're always, you know, looking at the quarterbacks and whether it's, you know, we had Chase Garvers last year in, um, in, in free agency after the college free agency after the draft. Um, but I think we, you know, I think we want to always continue to add to that position. And I think, you know, we'll be, you know, this year will be no different. Great stuff right there yeah. from Dave Ziegler, GM. And I thought that was a great, fantastic question from Tashawn Reed at Absolutely. the end. You know, are, are you, is there any scenario where you don't see yourself drafting a quarterback? And he left the door open, but it sounds pretty sure that they're going to draft a quarterback. Yeah. Um, and even, as he said, uh, the, the philosophy of Ron Wolf, which was add a quarterback yep. each year. And that's what they did in New England, too. Yeah. For the most part. How many times did they draft quarterbacks? 449 is the time. We'll take a quick break, come back, close out the show. Live from Indy, it's Radio Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Very productive day here on Radio Row in Indianapolis. The Scouting Combine 2023 will be going on all week long. I want to thank Boyd Gaming, the official locals casino of the Las Vegas Raiders, for having us here. I'd like to thank the Raiders, GM Dave Ziegler, for giving us time, Joshua Daniels for giving us extra time. I uh, thought it was really good, and hopefully you enjoyed everything that we were able to bring to the table. John McClain, who joined us on the show earlier today, Nick Shook from the NFL Network, and, of course, we got a lot more, including Vinny Bonsignor, who, by the way, has been doing double duty and has been here all day long. I've been here all day as well, but Vinny was on the morning tailgate and he hung out for the last three hours here with us on Unnecessary Roughness, so I definitely appreciate him as well. Coming up next, we've got long, uh, I almost said Long Kruger, Coach Kevin Kruger, his coaches show, the final coaches show of the year for UNLV, and that's coming from Orleans Hotel and Casino, of course, part of Boyd Gaming. So again, we'd like to thank them and Vinny as we get wrapped up, man. Today was just day one. What are you looking forward to? What do you, you know, focus in on tomorrow? Yeah, and I'm glad I double-checked because it actually starts at 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. Oh, uh, why not? Tyree, <laughs> Tyree Wilson kicks it off. Okay, 8 a.m., so that's 5 a.m. on the West Coast. Yes, it is. Lovely. Uh, so, uh, the Ty wife will still be in bed. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of Von miller yeah. to him. Yeah. Um, kicks it off at 8 a.m., uh, but then we're talking to guys like Will Anderson comes on at 9 o'clock. Uh, Andre Carter, looking forward to talking to Andre Carter from uh, Army. So tomorrow starts the day w where we can start talking to players, and uh, it's going to be right over there um, yep. to the right of us. Uh, so get a chance to talk. To I've always come away with this, too. Some great young men yep. uh, out there uh, in this business. You know, we sometimes dwell on the bad, but you're going to see a bunch of type A uh hardworking individuals uh, out there that uh, that are, are reaching their dream or are, are basically living their dream right now. So looking forward to seeing the defensive lineman tomorrow. To hear on Raider Nation Radio exactly. 920. Have a great night.